Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. To live out a, a noble life, a life of purpose and meaning. But at the same time, that make is not all that there is to this equation. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2 verses 20 to 21. This is Paul the Apostle. He was writing to his disciple named Timothy and he says this, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. You see, Gideon was gifted and called by God. There was this design and there was this make that was already inside of Gideon. But if he did not attach that make to the maker, there would be no drive. Imagine there's like two gears in an engine. You have the gears that allow you to move forward to get some drive to to be able to go places. But if that gear is not locked in with the other gear, uh, then then you're not going to get any movement. You're simply going to be spinning your wheels. God needed to do something first in Gideon and, and, and also in that little town that he was a part of to say, come on guys, you have been attaching your make to a God that is not able to give you any drive and any momentum in your lives but when you get rid of that and you put in the real power source then maybe something is about to happen see Tim uh, Paul continues to talk on to Timothy and he says but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slender without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. You see, I believe that all of us have a little bit of bowel that we need to deal with. But the bowel that we deal with is not some kind of wooden sculpture that we have to burn up or tear down or destroy. The bow that we are faced with today is within ourselves. In this passage that Paul uh, wrote, maybe you could summarize it like this. We have become our own gods. We have become our own gods. We have become lovers of self, of personal desires, of, of, of this personal interest. And what happens when that happens, uh, when, when we turn to ourselves and start to serve ourselves is that we have the appearance of godliness, but not the power. Other translations say it this way, we have the form, but not the power. This is how I see it in my mind. We have the form, we have the make, we have the design. God doesn't take that design away from you. You have a purpose that He has created you for. You have the form, but you don't have the power. You don't have the gears that come in and bring that drive to your life. And what we end up doing when we don't have that drive in our life is that we start to try to work it out. We try to find that pleasure. 
We continue going down that path, going deeper and deeper down the rabbit's hole, if, if you will. And, and, and we try to find alleviation to this sense of purposelessness, this sense of meaninglessness. We, we go on holidays to try to uh, uh, give us a numbness to the issues that we have to face in our lives. And to be honest, I can understand it. Sometimes life sucks. Sometimes life hurts. Sometimes life has disappointments that you don't understand. This week was a case in point when something terrible happened to one of my friends and, and, and I can't understand it. I'm still trying to process it. And in that moment, if I don't have the power of God in my life, I could simply go, man, this whole life that I'm living is pointless. So what if I have the form, if I'm impotent? If I can't do anything about the life that I'm living, people are given over to pleasure because pleasure is easy. Pleasure numbs. Pleasure makes us forget, but pleasure doesn't give us a legacy. Pleasure doesn't give us a tomorrow. Pleasure stays for a moment and is gone the next. And so this week, as we talk about unlocking the giftedness, unlocking the meaning and the purpose to your life, step one is hosting God's presence. But step two, we have to start to get rid of the stuff in our lives that we have devoted ourselves to that is actually powerless and impotent, that doesn't give you any drive. Now that I've done this, um, I guess, job as a pastor for a while, the, it, it's, it's been really interesting because the more I'm talking with people, the more I realize that the biggest problem for most people in our Western culture is how much the world makes ourselves so important. You know, there's a whole branch of people that have taken on the label of a humanist, Humanist, they study humanity, they, they talk about the rights of a human. I live for the humans. It's a whole branch of people that actually see humanity as the epitome of experience. And with that, something that I've seen in the world that disturbs me greatly is the rise of people seeing their emotions almost like a God they have to devote themselves to and serve. There was a young person I was chatting with a, a while ago, and, and this person wanted to be part of our youth ministry. Um, and, and, and he was telling me, you know, God's really put young people on my heart. I really feel like God wants me to do great work with young people. I really feel for them. I want to I do something to really change their lives and to make an impact. And I was like, Fantastic. We could always do it with people that are passionate about something and want to do something about it. But as we continued to have this conversation, I, I, I outlined what, what was required to be a part of this youth ministry, this youth department that we were about to set up and, and what, what it would look like. And this person said, after a while, so he was saying, Nate, if you, so you're saying that if you want, that if I want to be part of your ministry, so there was a problem there already, if you, if I want to be a part of your ministries, I don't want a person that doesn't see it as their ministry as well. But if I want to be part of your ministry, you're telling me that I cannot have these pursuits that I want to do. 
And we talked about those pursuits and all that kind of stuff. And most of them were cool things, fun things, great things to, to, to enjoy, to really enjoy and to, to, to have in our lives. And, and he went on to say that, Nate, do you understand that I'm young? Understand that I was only 10 years older than him. He made me feel like a dinosaur in that moment. <laughs> and I was like, understand that I'm young and there's only one chance for me to really experience these things. And you're asking me to give up on these pursuits in order to serve the young people of your church. Do you see a problem there? The problem is not so much that this person didn't have the make that he didn't have the desire, that he didn't have the gifts. I wanted him as part of our youth ministry because I've seen him talk to young people. He definitely is younger than me and he definitely relates to them a lot better. But there was that devotion to other things that was pulling him away from his make. His personal pursuits were more important than the pursuits God had already put into his life. I spoke to another young person, and yeah, it does tend to be young people, but understand though that I could probably bring out a whole bunch of stories about older people as well. I'm one of them. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, you know, I was chatting with another person, and, and we're having this conversation, and it was an interesting conversation because it was really illuminating for me to understand this is how someone actually lives their life out. And, and, and as I was chatting with, with this person, uh, uh, he said this. He said, you know, Nate, I have discovered that I'm an emotional person. As though being emotional is a personality type that you do not get to choose and is therefore just a part of you. And he said, I'm an emotional person. And so when I make decisions, I use my emotions to make decisions and I was like okay no that, that's fair enough and so I was like as we continued talking I started to realize that he said he was saying that he makes every decision based on emotions every decision and so I asked him a question I said has your emotions ever led you astray and he did not like that question and he said sometimes now understand that I've been his pastor for a little while and I know on some big mistakes he had made because of his emotions. And so I reminded him of it nicely and gently as a pastor. I said, do you remember that? Was that an emotional decision? Yes. So I then asked him, so why do you still trust your emotions? Why do you trust your emotions if there even is a 10% chance that your emotions are going to get it terribly wrong? you are still going to end up in the scrap heap. There's going to be something terrible that is going on here. And this person, he, he didn't understand it. It was like, but, but you're telling me not to listen to my emotions? He was needing to defend his God of emotions. He was needing to defend his idol, that a self-serving emotion nature inside of himself to me. And, and I was kind of like in that moment, I was like Joash, I was like, if you need to fight for it, then maybe he's not a God after all. If he's not able to defend you, if he's not able to provide, if he's not able to give you the proper guidance, if he's not able to give you peace, if he's not able to give you direction, if he's not able to give you meaning and purpose, maybe it's not a God after all. 
But so many of us are caught up in the sand, in this like, oh, no, oh, that. You know, I've, I've had conversations with other people that, and they've told me, and Christians, you know, they come to me and they say, Nate, I don't like that passage in the Bible because it doesn't sit right with me. And I'm kind of like, translation, you don't like it because it doesn't feel good. And your God of your emotions is telling you, come on, serve me instead. When our Christianity is based around our emotions, we don't know whether we are going in the right direction or not. When your emotions, and, and this is the tricky thing because our emotions is, it is a part of us, but it has a place in us. We're not meant to be serving our emotions. Our emotions are meant to be serving us. So I use my emotions in a way to help me filter life the way that is healthy and the way that God has put in the Bible. Remember that Paul was saying that a lack of self-control, that's one of the problems. We allow our emotions to guide and, and lead us in all kinds of stuff. But when we start serving our emotions, we don't know the difference between God and ourselves. We don't know when God is talking and we don't know when we are talking. The number of times that I've had conversations with people and I asked them, what is God saying about this choice that they have to make? And they say, oh, I just feel at peace about it. It's all about the emotion to them. It's peace and therefore it's God. But really it's peace because you finally decided to do the thing that will serve yourself and therefore you feel happy that you're going to find fulfillment of that desire. Am I saying that God doesn't talk to us through peace? That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that if we have lives that are set to listen to our emotions, and set to serve ourselves first, we are going to find ourselves in a place where the Midianites are coming through, stealing everything that we've got, and we've got an idol that is motionless, voiceless, powerless, and we're having to defend it instead of it doing anything for us. See, the God that I serve, I don't have to defend. The God that I serve, I don't have to stand here and say, God is real. If he needs to, he'll present himself to you. He'll work on your behalf. And I'm not saying that life is going to be easy. Once you accept that God is real and that God is a part of your life. But what I'm saying is, does your life have true meaning and purpose? Are you just living for the weekends? Are you just living for your own comfort? I've had people ask me before, so what you're saying, Nate, is that if I follow God, I don't get to chase after fun. And I was like, mm, that's not what I'm saying. But what is truly fun? Fun at the expense of someone else? Fun at the expense of legacy? Fun at the expense of meaning? Fun at the expense of your tomorrow? The God that I serve has created me for a purpose that is higher than any happiness that the world can give me. The God that I serve has proven himself time and time again to me that he's able to provide the number of times that Beck and I have been like, God, we don't know what's happening and we don't know what we're supposed to do. And then in our inaction, because we couldn't do anything, God's done something. It's, it's simply a miracle. 
the choice is yours. We live in a time and in a town that doesn't need God in a traditional sense. You've got great jobs. You've got great families. You've got all the money that you need. You've got enough cars for everyone, including your baby. You've got holidays lined up for the next five years. And you can ask me, so why do I need to add God to it? Why do I need to add God into my life? And my answer to you is, if your cars mean more to you, if your house means more to you, if your happiness means more to you, then maybe you don't need God. But if there's something on the inside that goes, all of that is just a breath of wind. It comes and it goes. That new car is going to be an old car. It's going to become a rust bucket. That holiday is just going to be a memory of the past. It doesn't give you any more happiness today. You look through those photos and all you feel is envy that you're not in that place. And the only reason you can be in that place is because you work your butt off time and time again so that you can spend it in another country. I'm not saying holidays are bad, by the way. I love holidays. I'm about to go on one in three weeks. <laughs> and I need a holiday. But what I'm saying is that if you're living for the fulfillment of these desires, something's going to come up short. We're living in a time and an age where your desires are becoming king. And we're having more and more Christians that have a form of godliness, but not the power. If you want to truly find that giftedness that God has placed in you, we need to tear down some of those idols inside of our lives. I know it's not a fun word. I know I haven't cracked too many jokes today. I know you're kind of like, I came on a Sunday morning to get told off. That's not what I'm trying to do here. Because I believe that each and every single person in this room has got something beautiful, has got something indescribable, has got something noble and honorable that God has placed inside of you to accomplish and to see through. I believe that there's so much value in a church that truly believes that it can make a difference in the world, that, that I want to see it happen. But the path towards that unlocking of that giftedness hits this point where God is saying to us, are you willing to set yourself apart for me? Are you willing to tear down the idol if it means that it gets you in a little bit of trouble, if it means that it's going to get you into a little bit of strife, but you know that on the other side is something so much more powerful. Gideon would never be able to lead an army of 300 against an army of 135,000 if he did not tear down the altar of Baal. But some of us are looking at that altar in our lives. Some of you even know what I'm talking about right now, that thing that you've been giving your devotion to and your time and your energy to, and you're looking at that thing and say, I don't know how to tear you down. Down. My, my encouragement is to look past that altar, to know that in your future, God is with you, that there is a power, there is a grace, there is something beautiful and there's something noble that God has placed inside of you and He wants to see it come to fullness. He wants to see it come to fullness. Imagine what our lives would look like if Christians truly understood this. 
I wonder what my life would look like if I truly 100% lived this out all the time. Because I still have my struggles and I still have my moments of weakness. I still have moments where I'm angry, I'm lustful, I'm envious, I'm jealous, I'm prideful. But I want to live a life where I can go, God, you're highlighting something to me. And it's not out of condemnation. It's not out of guilting you. It's out of that space of, I've got so much better for you. Stop chasing those shadows and those mirages and illusions. Stop serving your bowels who sit there and do nothing for you. I believe, I believe that we are seeing more and more people in our Western culture suffering from depression because there are people that are living for themselves and serving the God of themselves. And I've sat with people like that. And the sad thing is this. I asked them, so what do you think you're good at? And their answer is always, I don't know. Their answer is always, I don't, there's, there's nothing valuable and meaningful in me. See, the thing is that when we start chasing and looking inwards all the time, we get to a place where we forget what we've been created for. And we forget that place of what we've been created with. And so I asked them, what problem could you solve in this world? And he said, I, I don't know, I'm too weak. I'm not good enough at anything. So I'll just live in my depression because I can't see anything within me to get me out of this space. It's true. You've got nothing within you to save yourself. But you've got a God that visits you, that says, come on. Just like he did to Gideon when he came and he said, rise up, mighty man of valor. While Gideon was in a pit, while he was low, while there was nothing that said this man is going to be a warrior. But when Gideon started to say, God, I want you in my life, and God, I'm going to devote myself to you, suddenly gears began to click. And that can be you today. Can we get the band up this morning? There's a certain heaviness that I've had to deal with this week, and I'm I'm sorry because I think it's kind of come through in my message this morning and things don't normally get this heavy. But I believe that God is trying to speak to people. I believe that God is trying to stir something up. I believe that that emptiness doesn't have to be your lot. That struggle to get up in the morning, that struggle to get out of bed, that struggle to go through your studies or your work or, 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 or to spend time with family or, or to pursue things of meaning and purpose. It doesn't have to be that way. My struggle is now a different struggle. My struggle is to continue doing the work that God has set me up to do. And sometimes my work puts me in contact with people 
that aren't doing so well. Puts me in contact with people that have this sense of loneliness and, 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 and are making bad decisions. And my struggle is now, God, you placed me in this position. So you need to help me. Because I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm not that good at what I do. I just, I'm just here and I'm placed here. Some of you would probably do my job better than I do. But I'm the one that's here now. I've made myself available. And so God uses me. And on some days I'm lost. Some days I'm like, I hope I did okay. But then there are the moments where God lets me see that His grace is sufficient for me, that even in my brokenness and even in my lack and even in my myself, God is able to use me for honorable purposes. Every now and then I have someone that comes up to me and says, Nate, when you said that to me, that changed everything and it helped me out so much. So bro, I thank you. I needed you in that moment. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. I don't even remember doing anything that special. But that's the kind of life that I think we can have. Where our everyday moments that we don't even recognize are that significant. God is able to place His power behind it. And it really leaves a legacy. It really makes a difference. So this morning, can I just get us to all stand for a moment? About to finish this morning and... The first thing I want to do is to invite anyone that doesn't know this God, this Jesus fella. And I want to introduce you to him. You guys are too tall. And I just want to, I just want to introduce you to this Jesus because I believe in the life that God has made available for each and every person. I truly believe it. I don't know how to describe it because it's indescribable, but it is good. It is so, so good. And, and so I would like to lead you into a prayer because the Bible teaches us that if we confess with our lips and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that day salvation is yours. You don't have to worry about what happens after your life on earth because God's already got that under control. You don't have to worry about whether your life means anything or not because Jesus says it does. You don't have to strive through each and every moment of each and every day because God says, I am with you and I'll always be with you. That is what this salvation prayer is about. And so if you're in this room and you would like to have Jesus in your life, I would like to lead you into a prayer to invite Him in. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm going to count as three. And at a count of three, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would just like us, ask you to be brave enough to put your hand up for a second and then back down again. That's just so that we know who we are praying with. That's so that we know that you are making that decision today. So I'm going to count now. One, two, three. Is there anyone in this room? that will like to invite Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Fantastic. So good. Let's just say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I know I have sinned and I know I've fallen short. 
So please forgive me. Come live in me and wash me clean. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.